Sports. Joining Brian and Brett now on Sports Time is national college football writer for CBS Sports, Memphis native and Tennessee grad, who you can find on Twitter X at David W. Cobb. It's David Cobb. Welcome back into Sports Time. Brian and Brett with you in our family leisure studios and joining us now. Talk some college football and college basketball. David Cobb joins us now from CBS Sports. David, thanks so much for joining us. I want to start off with college basketball. It's a big weekend uh, of action in college basketball. The Tigers, a big win over Texas A&M. And Brett brought up an interesting point earlier when we were talking about the Tigers. He said he thinks... The Memphis Tigers have a top 15 roster in college basketball. Where would you set the Tigers roster in terms of the rest of the country? I mean, I think that's accurate. They're, they're experienced, they're versatile, they're deep, and they're talented, too. I mean, you can't tell me that what uh, David Jones is doing right yeah. now isn't the product of a whole lot of talent. And he was productive at St. John's. He was just the type of player who flew under the radar nationally because St. John's was irrelevant prior to the arrival of Rick Patino, mm-hmm. and a player like David Jones doesn't get noticed in that situation. Uh, I think the one who has, I think, exceeded the, the hype is Javon Quinterly. Yeah, He's playing at a really high level right now, and I've watched an, a number of Memphis games now where it just seems like he's the guy, uh, other than David Jones, who you can really rely on to go and get you a bucket or create a shot uh, when you need one. So that's that's big. I mean, that, that shot creation ability of, of Javon Quinterly and the way he stirs the drink for that whole team has really stood out to me. But I think we lost you there for a second. Uh, say that again. We're still having trouble with with uh, Brett. We'll have to we'll have to figure that out. But while we work on that, David, what were your biggest takeaways from that game for for Memphis against Texas A&M? I mean, on the road against a top twenty five opponent after kind of a scary game against VCU. I mean, what what did you see from that Tiger team? Yeah, it was a team going on the road in a hostile environment against a t- uh, an opponent that a lot of people think is going to win the SEC. I picked Texas A and M first uh, in the SEC when we did our preseason predictions and i know they've been somewhat disappointing early but they're still a really good team that's mm-hmm. going to be there in the ncaa tournament when this season is all said and done so the fact that memphis just went in there and kind of smacked them in the mouth i think defensively it was a a big step forward too. like like they've got like a&m has some really good offensive players and uh tyrese radford and some of those other veteran guards that have been there for a long time and you know memphis shut them down memphis made life hard on them and that was, like, to me, a, a improvement defensively, like keeping a guy like Wade Taylor frustrated for yeah. uh, an entire afternoon. On they they maul those that. guards, David. They did, and Memphis is, is big, and that, that's where it really helps you. And it's not, it's not like they're big because, oh, they've got a seven foot four guy out there. It's like, like position by position. Even when Quinterly is out there as a smaller guy, the other four are long and they're physical and they're athletic, so... That's kind of what Texas A&M wants to be against uh, a lot of other teams that plays, and Memphis sort of did it to them uh, and gave them a taste of their own medicine on their own home floor. 
David, who do you think has the best roster in college basketball, and how deep is it, and how deep should it be? I mean, because you, you know, one ball you can play five at a time. We all know that. I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't need to go nine, ten deep. But who who has the best roster in college basketball? I would probably say Kansas because of that mm. top three, top four: Hunter Dickinson, Kevin McCuller, Dewan Harris. Uh, K.J. Adams, you won't find a better top four than that, I don't think, anywhere in college basketball. Like, I would take those guys, those guys in a game of four-on-four against uh, whatever four any other team in the country can produce because they're all so distinct, unique, yet versatile. They work together well. And so I think from a overall roster standpoint, Kansas has the edge. But where Memphis has... Uh, something comparable or even better than Kansas from a roster perspective is the depth uh, that they have. Uh, The fact that Memphis has the ability to go 10 or 11 deep Mm -hmm. and the experience too, because a team like KU, they rely on some unproven guys. They've got a couple of freshmen in the rotation, um, a transfer from Towson who they're really hoping can, can come on. Whereas like Memphis, yeah, it's a lot of transfers, but almost exclusively guys who proved it, at a comparable level prior to coming to Memphis. Yeah, at it, 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 two other places, in, in many cases, I mean, the I know Wednesday night against VCU, all five starters are all five new players, and all five had been at, th- this is the third place they've been. It's a lot of experience. I mean, Caleb Mills was, was preseason AAC player of the year a few years ago, wasn't he, Bryant? Yeah. Yeah, he, he's an interesting one, too. Uh, coming off the bench, right, yesterday, mm-hmm. but – Still coming up with some big buckets, right? Two, two big daggers. Sure did. Indeed. And, and I don't know what's going on with Jordan Brown or, you know, okay, how about this? Have y'all seen the stuff today that, that Naquan Tomlin, yeah. uh, the Kansas State transfer, may try and enroll mm-hmm. mid-year? Like, I, I don't know if, if y'all want to get into that, but the, the point is there's a lot of fluctuating roster dynamics with Memphis right now. Mm-hmm. And you've heard the back-channel social media stuff about, maybe some guys being disgruntled with their roles and who knows what's happening with Jordan Brown. Is he sick or is he, you know, what, what's going on? I, I don't know, but like a guy like Caleb Mills coming off the bench, embracing that role and that assignment uh, and then flourishing in it is something that Penny can use to prop up team chemistry. He can use that to point to Caleb Mills as an example of, hey, stay ready for when your moment's coming. You know, anybody on this team can be our leading scorer on a given night. Like, you know, so so Penny, I think, still has some ammo to work with when they go on the road and they win games against programs like like VCU and Texas A and M. It it gives him some ammunition to fight back against uh, when you know th- there could be some complicated roster dynamics in, inside that locker room right now. Well, we can talk about Naquan uh, Tomlin as being uh, some. Reporting on social media, I guess some rumors on social media that he um, is on a visit at Memphis right now and from Kansas State, hadn't been with the team all season, been suspended for a bar fight that happened um, before the season started. What kind of player is he? I've heard a lot of people today kind of having the conversation and really over the weekend of seems like a great player to add to the roster, but do you want to add a player like that mid-season? Could that mess with the team chemistry by adding somebody mid-season like this? What do you make of this whole Naquan Tomlin situation, and, and would you add him to this roster right now? I, I, don't, I don't know if I would because it feels like they have a good thing going, but I understand why Penny would want to because if Naquan Tomlin had entered the transfer portal back 
in the spring or in the summer, I would have had him ranked right. uh, in all likelihood among my top 50 in the country. Double-figure scorer from a, a Kansas State team that made a deep NCAA tournament run last yeah. year. So, and, and he's long, he's versatile. Uh, he fits the mold exactly you know, what Memphis is looking for. And if Jordan Brown is, is if his status is uh, uncertain or, or a no-go moving forward, then a guy like Naquan Tomlin, Tomlin uh, fits fits in real well because you need that height, you need that size uh, that he would bring. Another very talented roster, I think, is Marquette. Tennessee's got a really talented roster. They were able to defeat Illinois Saturday at Thompson Bowling Arena. Right now, who do you think is at the top of the SEC? I know still very early, but we're getting ready to get some definition as we move into the new calendar year and start conference play. Well, I'm actually a little concerned about the SEC uh, to be honest, because Texas A&M has taken three losses now. They were my preseason pick to win the league. Missouri's kind of taken a step back in year two under Dennis Gates. Kentucky follows up a big win over Miami with a loss uh, at home to a UNC Greensboro. And then, you know, Tennessee's been okay, right? But they've taken their, their lumps. Even Arkansas. Arkansas is off to a rough start. Mm-hmm. Not, that, not that much won't get it together, but they're off to a rough start. And Alabama's been uh, kind of coming back down to earth after last season. So <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out like who's great in the SEC, and I'm curious to figure out if maybe that team is Auburn. Like I know they lost mm. to Appalachian State, but Bruce Pearl went on the road and, and played a, a good Sun Belt team, and it happens, right? Well, they, they respond to that by crushing Indiana yeah. uh, by 28 on a neutral floor. And I look at that performance, and I'm like, that is as impressive as any single-game performance that we've seen from anybody in the SEC so far this season. So I think Auburn uh, might kind of be my sneaky pick right now to win the SEC. You know, it feels like every year for Eric Musselman at Arkansas, he he gets right up to the line of maybe losing his team, and then he, 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 get, he gets them back, and, and they respond to him. They respond his way. They almost submit to his way, and the, you know, last year they go to the Sweet 16, the two previous years, they go to the Elite Eight. That's just great seasons at, at, a, at a lot of places. A lot of places would, would really be boastful of that. In Arkansas, they want, they want more than that, and you just wonder if there's ever going to be that year, kind of the old Marine style, you, you, you break them and build them back up, that he may just break them and not have anything to rebuild. Yeah, that's, that's a legitimate concern. In the end, I think he always finds a way, like in must I trust until I've been given a good reason to believe otherwise. But they're kind of on the rocks right here at, after a loss to Oklahoma. Um, yeah, I don't really know what Arkansas is, is, is great at or like who their, their star player is. I mean, a lot of the NBA buffs love Trevon Brazil, but he's not a 20 point a game uh, type of guy. And, you know, so who is that alpha or that go to, um, I don't know. That's. I think they're still working through that, and it's it's kind of ugly right now. Uh, David John Rothstein uh, is reporting Memphis, and I should say Jason Muntz has confirmed Memphis will play a neutral site game against San Francisco at the Chase Center next season, prior to participating in the 2024 Maui Invitational. So we know Penny Hardaway um, set up a great non-conference schedule this year. It looks like he's doing something similar for next season. What, what type of a game will that be next year at the Chase Center against the? team like san francisco 
Well, it's cool they're playing that in the uh, NBA arena out yeah. there. I've been inside that arena. It's, it's very nice. Uh, San Francisco is a really good mid-major program. They've mm-hmm. managed to stay up even after Todd Golden's departure for Florida a couple of years ago. There's still a, you know, a solid West Coast Conference team that's going to be there in the top 100 of the net. So if you go and play them, that might count as a road game too. So that's Penny scheduling a game that'll either be quad one really or quad smart. two. Yeah. That done. yeah, it is. And I was thinking about this earlier. Like if I were asked to grade Memphis's season so far this year, what grade would I give them at, what are they, seven and two? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would give them an A-. minus, And a lot of that is because of the schedule. And it's like you got to spend money to make money. And in college basketball – you got to take losses to get the big wins, and you got to schedule aggressively. If you're not risky or aggressive with your scheduling, you you're going to get burned. And you know, a game like San Francisco in San Francisco, that's that's being aggressive on the scheduling, and that's setting yourself up for success. So I, I love that Penny understands that. It's obvious that he does with the, with the schedule they put together this year. He does. He understands scheduling, and he also understands booster fundraiser. Uh, morale lifting things for your fans because that'll be so much fun for the fans that are on that official trip. And then, you know, you, you get a couple of good days in San Francisco in that game and then to Maui and it will be back in, in Maui next year after having to play it this year in Honolulu. Saturday night, David, were you surprised in, I, I thought it was a little narrower, Jaden Daniels victory than I thought it would be. Were you surprised? It, it wasn't close, close. It wasn't, wasn't Florida 2000 close, but it was closer than I thought it would be. Yeah, I think the uh, the West Coast quarterbacks kind of split the vote. <laughs> uh, if, if one of those guys had maybe been a little bit more dominant or if one of their teams hadn't made the uh, Pac-12 championship game, then, then maybe Penix or Knicks is right there. But it kind of felt like going into it that Daniels had it locked up. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, I pre-wrote Jaden Daniels. And uh, I was like, look, guys, I, I'm – you know, I've got Jaden Daniels in here. If something happens, I'll, I'll be ready to, to shift. But I was pretty confident going into it that the season he had was Heisman worthy. I mean, he was basically as productive as, uh, as Joe Burrow was entering the ceremony, having played one fewer game since that, that Joe Burrow team was in the SEC championship. So, yeah, it was a phenomenal season for Jaden Daniels. And uh, I, don't, I don't think it's, he should be docked for the fact that his team lost uh, a couple more games than the other finalists. He was spectacular this year. Yeah, no, he he absolutely was. David, uh, I know it's still early in, in the transfer portal, but ha- has anything surprised you yet? Any any guys that have entered that you didn't think would enter or any guys landing at places? I know a lot of people kind of surprised Dylan Gabriel landed at Oregon after it sounded like a lot of people thought he was going to go to Mississippi State with Jeff Lebby. Has there been any surprises for you from the transfer portal? Yeah, that, that, that is a little surprising, uh, I would say. I think just the thing that stands out to me the most is the number of quality quarterbacks who are in the portal. It feels like an uptick even over last year. So yeah, that makes for some exciting uh, stories to follow. Uh, The the quarterback carousel is almost as interesting as (laughs) the coaching carousel now. So uh, that's been one that has stuck out to me. And I don't know that it's uh, a it's a good thing or whatever. You can have that debate all you want, whether this is good or bad for college football or, or whatnot. But it makes things interesting when you've got, you know, 25 former four-star or better quarterbacks uh, who, are, who are on the move. 
So, you know, you want to see how a guy like Will Rogers does um, if he goes out to Washington or, or, or what have you. Like, those things are, are interesting, and they do create some excitement around the sport. And transfer quarterbacks, the last three SEC Heisman Trophy winners have all been transfers, and it, it was Jaden Daniels from Arizona State, but hometown San Bernardino, California. You had Bryce Young. He was not a transfer, but he was from Pasadena, California. And Joe Burrow was a transfer from Athens, Ohio. I, I, I'm not real surprised that SEC's winning the Heisman Trophy with quarterbacks, but from Athens, Ohio, Pasadena, and San Bernardino, California. Hmm. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? Uh, it's a quarterback destination, uh, the league is now. I mean, I think this year was a little bit of a, of a step back in, in quarterback play on the whole because, you know, Devin Leary wasn't spectacular. Like, Joe Milton didn't have the breakthrough that we'd hoped for. But low-key, I mean, Graham Mertz as a transfer at, at Florida, he was the, the shining gem on an otherwise bad team. Yeah. Uh, Ole Miss is, is on the verge of maybe winning 11 games uh, with a transfer quarterback. And, uh, I mean, the list goes on. So uh, it's it's a good time it's a good time to be an SEC program in need of a quarterback because you can afford to pay them, and you've got a pretty good track record now to point to of guys coming in and, and having a lot of success. Yeah, you absolutely do. Talking to David Cobb from CBS Sports, he joins us every Monday to talk college football and college basketball. Bowl games kick off this Saturday and uh, some interesting ones for sure. Do any of these games stick out to you before we get to kind of some of the higher-end bowl games later in the, uh, the next couple of weeks? I mean, Boise State, UCLA, like Mm -hmm. that's two West Coast brands of interest. Boise State going through a coaching transition. UCLA fans may be wishing they were. Uh, (laughs) uh, That that should be a good one uh, at a like reasonable hour. So I'm excited. I'm excited for for that one. And then you know the the more you get into it, it's like some of these (laughs) games are not the best. But you know they're 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 great to have on in the background. It's it's. Uh, it's a great time of year, and Absolutely. so no, I mean, for me, the intrigue lies with the after Christmas stuff. To me, that's when it gets mm-hmm. it's, it gets really interesting, and I and you know I'll be tuned in and, and really locked in. But you know, I'll, I'll certainly at least have have the pre Christmas games on. In, in this Saturday, I, I, I will I'll take a peek in at Jerry Keel, who's already won ten games and playing in, in a, a a bowl game in his home state in the New Mexico Bowl against Fresno State without their head coach. Yeah, no, Jerry killed an amazing job at New Mexico State. Uh, they went and, and beat Auburn uh, this year. So uh, that, that, that's a team that deserves to be celebrated. Those are the teams that are fun to watch in bowl season because they're trying to put the cap on a special year. So you know the care factor and the buy-in is, is probably still there and, and that the game is meaningful to them. And, and when that's the case, like, you know, any, a game between any two teams can be really uh, good or captivating or a good watch. And so in that sense, some of these group of five teams that, that are excited to be in the spotlight, uh, those games end up being some of the better bowls because the, the care factor and the want-to factor is so high. And you mentioned Boise State and UCLA. That's the L.A. Bowl at Stan Kroenke Stadium. The L.A. Bowl now hosted by Gronk. It'll be, <laughs> it, it, it should be some uh, odds up on whether or not he'll be drunk at the game. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll take the uh, plus five. take the over? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Uh that'll be a party bowl season's a party like these these bowls are scrapping for their relevance and so they're willing to do anything uh even poor mayo on top of the winning head coach uh, in order to be entertaining so uh, i think that's good 
Well, and David, don't forget about the Pop-Tart Bowl making its debut this year where the mascot will turn into an edible mascot at the end of the game, and the winning team is supposed to take a bite out of it. So, uh, yeah, okay. not, yeah. not only the Pop-Tarts Bowl, guys, we also have the famous Toastery Bowl, and those are two different bowls. Oh. That's not the same bowl, yeah. And that's the famous <laughs> Toastery Bowl in Charlotte that used to be in the Bahamas. I mean, it is. Huh. got to keep your head on a swivel. I just, you really I'm just do. so grateful that the, they play the Liberty Bowl at the Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium. Right. Well, kind of. I mean, yeah, Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, but, you know, yeah, that's yeah, a little in the weeds, you know. <laughs> I know, but it, I know when, it, when it's going to be and where it's going to be and what they're going to call it. And I appreciate that. Who do you think made the best point over all of last week's outrage, David, about uh, – well, what was the point made that really spoke to clarity about FSU being left out? I mean, the only point there is to make is that Jordan Travis's injury makes them a different team. I'm not. I mean, that's not even like that, that appealing of an argument to me. I guess. I mean, the other thing too. This is not. I don't know that this is a good reason to leave Florida State out, but it's just the reality. The ACC is is just without an identity right now. Clemson being down completely changes what that conference can accomplish, and they're only going to get worse uh, when they add the, the West Coast rejects. So uh, just what is the ACC is is the takeaway and the point that I've heard the most that resonates because that league has no direction or no trajectory really at all right now. David, it feels like a year from now, and this coming, so uh, one year from now we will be getting ready for games on campus, the five hosting the 12, 6 versus 11, the 7 versus the 10, and the 8 hosting the 9 to advance to the the more traditional dates around the new year for quarterfinal games. Those 12 teams a year from now, it feels like the makeup's going to be four SEC, four Big Ten, the group of five, that's nine, two ACC and a Big 12. That, yeah, that'd be generous because if it were this year, I believe it would be 10 of the 12 either being from the SEC or the Big Ten uh, because you'd have your Florida State in there and you'd have your Liberty in there. Um, but, yeah, I think there's a real possibility the SEC and the Big Ten adding new members could comprise uh, 10 of the 12 on an almost annual basis. Well, that's the power, too. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's going to be a lot of changes in college uh, college football starting next year, and we are uh, getting very, very close to them. But, David, thanks so much for joining. We'll do it again uh, next Monday. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, David. David Cobb with us every Monday talking college football and college basketball from CBS Sports. If you're ready for a new Silverado All-Star Chevy, they've got the deals for you in Olive Branch with financing down to one9 or up to $10,000 in cash, plus make no payments for 90 days. Your good credit deserves it, and you get it at All-Star. First exit on, on off of Highway 78 as you enter into Mississippi. It's Kraft Goodman Road, and you're there at All-Star. And you can see all the red tags, Tahoes, Equinox, Trailblazers. Families just love the Traverse with the third-row seat. So you can do more together during the holidays, whether it's heading off to Grandma's or for a bowl trip. Any holiday trip, what you're doing, what you're going to go do, go and do New Year's Eve, 
you got to know what you're going to be driving. You need to be driving a great vehicle from All Star military teachers, college students, healthcare workers. You all get an instant extra $500 bonus if you want a certified pre owned Chevy or any pre owned All Stars loaded. If it's not at All Star, just ask Jeff and he'll find it for you. And Jeff and Kevin and everyone at All Star want to wish everyone a happy holiday season, Merry Christmas, and a happy, healthy, prosperous 2024. Remember, it's not South Haven, not Mount Moriah, Bartlett, or Collierville. It's got to be Olive Branch. Find new roads to All-Star Chevy or go to allstarautogroup.com. Let's get to a break. When we come back, it's time for our Sissy's Log Cabin. Look back at the weekend in the SEC. Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin, for Wolo and Friends. Weekday mornings from 10 to 11, here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Five, four, three, two, one. Time for a look back at the weekend in the SEC. Brought to you by Sissy's Log Cabin, the official jeweler of the Memphis Grizzlies with 9,000 square foot in Laurelwood. Let's go inside the SEC with Bryant, Brett, and Jay Morgan. Chad Kelly in the gun formation. Third and inches for Ole Miss. Carlton will kick it. It is on the way, and it is up. Buffalo looking at it, going to pitch it to Herschel Walker, try to get him outside. He's going to get five. The snap is high. Kelly grabs it, wants to throw, fires it up in the air. Treadwell can't get it. It is good! Oh, my! Get a deflection. is caught. Deflection is caught. And down the sidelines is Adebojo. He's to the end zone. He's in there. Touchdown, Ole Miss. He's got 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. He needs a block. There goes Herschel. There goes Herschel. And you can wrap this one in maroon and white, my friends. Arkansas is headed to Atlanta. The national champion is clad in big orange. And the, not the national champion, but the Heisman Trophy winner from the SEC in Saturday night, Jaden Daniels. He, he won in comfortable margin. It was not as, it was not anywhere close to as big what Joe Burrow won by, even though his numbers were better than Joe Burrow's, but the team numbers were not, and that was a, a, a lot of the, a lot of the vote for Joe Burrow on that super team, but he was, he was super player. Brian, you were, I think, I think you remember the Monday after, the Ole Miss win over LSU, mm-hmm. and I think I even said it on Ole Miss post game, maybe even sitting there with Coach Kiffin. I I had left as a part of the Ole Miss crew in 2010 after seeing Cam Newton there in mm-hmm. person in what ended up being his Heisman Trophy year. In 2012, after seeing Johnny Manziel in Oxford in what ended up being his Heisman Trophy winning year. I saw Bryce Young on the road in 2021 in what ended up being his his Heisman Trophy year, and then I saw him put on a show there in 2022 when he was the difference. Yeah, he if if he hadn't been there that day, Ole Miss would have beat Alabama. <laughs> right, but he was there and he he made he made the plays. And I mentioned Joe Burrow in in his Heisman Trophy winning campaign in Oxford, and I thought I had seen the same thing in Jaden Daniels. Mm. You remember me talking along this line? Yeah, no, I, I I remember you saying that you, I mean, you saw somebody special, and you saw somebody that could very I, I knew easily I win the Heisman. I, I knew I had, and I, I knew I had, I'd seen somebody very differently, a very different player than the year before. You know, he just went for seventeen and seven yeah. last year, 
and transferred in from Arizona State, similar to Joe Burrow, you know, kind of find, kind of finding his footing there. And I thought Brian Kelly and his staff did a really good job mm-hmm. with him for this year. It also highlights just the number that Herm <laughs> Edwards did on Arizona oh, State. Man. Oh man, I saw a lot of people pulling up the uh, the video. After Jaden Daniels decided to transfer and a bunch of his teammates at Arizona State were pulling his stuff out of his locker and throwing it in trash bags and taking his nameplate off and, and talking about how he was a trash quarterback and they didn't need him and yada, yada, yada. And now he's the, the Heisman Trophy winner. But you're right. I mean, Herm Edwards, you know, if you go back and look. Wasn't a bad recruiter. I mean, had a, a couple of uh, really good players. Just was that he allergic in. to the rules. Yes, just could not follow simple rules. And um, so, you know, Jaden Daniels, thanks to him, uh, we got Jaden Daniels in the SEC and got to see um, kind of up close and personal. Didn't have to worry about having to watch it on Pac-12 Network, where none of us could watch. We could see it on ESPN and SEC Network and, you know, week in and week out, just see what an unbelievable player he was. 3,812 yards passing, 40 Mm -hmm. touchdowns, 4 interceptions. Rushing, 1134 rushing with with, with, an average rush of Hmm. 8.4 and 10 touchdowns uh, rushing for him. And after I saw him that night, I, I I thought he was my leader in the clubhouse, but I, w- I really wanted to see Penix right. and Nix duel it out down the stretch of the year. I think they played two weeks after I saw him in person. So I, I kept my mind pretty much open to it, but I knew I'd seen something different in Jaden Daniels. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you talk about what he did, not just through the air, but with his legs. I mean, only about, what, a little less than 60 yards short of 5,000 total yards and 50 touchdowns when you put together his passing and rushing touchdowns. I mean, he was that LSU offense. I understand they have great wide receivers. I mean, Malik Neighbors um, is one of the best receivers in the SEC, but Jaden Daniels um, did uh, numbers to that offense. I mean, he was he was unbelievable, and he was that star player every single week. We would talk about LSU and their wins. We would talk about, oh, four touchdowns, six touchdowns, eight touchdowns. I mean, just what he accounted for is was incredible. Through, through the years, Oxford and, and at Ole Miss, we, we've seen a lot of Heisman Trophy winners mm-hmm. come through there. I, I, I mentioned quarterbacks, but also in 2009, Mark Ingram, Played and had a had a big run in that game mm-hmm. for Alabama. In that game, we, uh, Tim Tebow came through in two thousand seven, and uh, uh, others did not. Herschel Walker and Bo Jackson, Ole Miss, played them their Heisman Trophy winning years, but it was at Athens and at Auburn, respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, play, played against Billy Cannon, of course, Same. famously. But right. that that was that was at Baton Rouge. Ole Miss is, has won over the Heisman Trophy can't, uh, winner two times. Beat Derrick Henry in Tuscaloosa mm-hmm. in 2015, but this year was the only time wow. to, to to see the eventual Heisman winner and beat him in Oxford. And it was this year wow. that makes it that it makes it even better beating them 55 49. Yeah, it does to beat the Heisman it, Trophy winner. I mean that was a that was a crazy game, but I remember. Um, what wildest game in my time at Ole Miss? It, it was the most fun, and the the you know down nine with five minutes yeah. to play. Yeah, and that was the game. I think Memphis was playing Boise State that day. They were. They were. Um, mm-hmm. And I get in my car, and Ole Miss is up like. 
21 or 20. Was that the seven. day your crew wanted to leave uh, early? Yep, they wanted to leave early. Oh, um, we missed last touchdown by Boise State that made it a three-point game. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not holding grudges or anything. I'm not um, either, but. <laughs> but, uh, and, I mean, we get in the car and it's like a 21-point a game. And by the time the 20-minute drive from um, Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium to my buddy's house, it was a tied game. By the time we got back, I mean, it was, it was basketball. Yeah, it was incredible. And then going, I mean, just going down the stretch of that game was just so much fun to watch. I mean, you're right. That was, I'm sure that ranks up close to the top of the most thrilling games you've ever been at. I, I, I think with the sweet test of time, I think it would, it will really rank way up Crazy. there. I, I, it was, I, I knew instantly after the game that it saved the Ole Miss season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, because, you know, it, you, you lose that one. It could have been two or three hiccups in there mm-hmm. the, the rest of the way. In a game that was not a, at all a defensive game, Daquan Anthony for Ole Miss with mm-hmm. Ole Miss up just you know, seven to nothing in a game that ended up, you know, scoring 55. That hit he had on him, good clean hit, tough football hit, and coughed the ball up. Ole Miss went down and scored yep. to make it 14 to nothing. Mm-hmm. That, that, in all those points, one little defensive play mattered. Yep, yep. We're in, uh, you know, I remember the uh, halftime of that game. Talking, well, offensively, both teams looked great. Defensively, a lot of work to be done. I mean, you yeah. got to go to the drawing board after uh, after a half like that. So, no, I mean, uh, uh, looking back on it, a, a great win. Maybe, uh, like you said, a season-changing win it was. for Ole it- Miss. It felt it. Yeah, no, absolutely. But uh, but Jaden Daniels, Heisman Trophy winner, and uh, LSU, I mean, looking at the last however many years, now two Heisman Trophy winners, um, and Joe Burrow, and, and now Jaden Daniels. So, I mean, maybe maybe LSU becomes the quarterback destination with, uh, well, with well, the success. Well, they could. They, they sure could. And, and Garrett Nussmeyer, I think, is the, the presumptive starter yeah. for next year, and he has shown a, a lot of mm-hmm. ability. But it, it, the SEC is just in a you know a, a run of of winning this. Uh, it's just almost hard to believe. Mm-hmm. And I, I mentioned with David from 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 Athens, Ohio, and in Pasadena, yeah. California, and San Bernardino, California. Mm-hmm. You, you know, just the idea of them even going and playing in the SEC. I know we, we've had players from far away places. Had Joe Namath from Beaver Falls, PA, but. To, he, he didn't win a Heisman, though. Yeah, no, no, he did not. But uh, that is interesting, uh, you know, all, all across the country and, and winning them in the SEC is it's interesting. So. It, it is. In, in, in the best league out there, yeah. again, the SEC was really, really good this year, mm-hmm. but it was not vintage. Mm-hmm. But it's got a team that still can win it, and it's got a, got a Heisman Trophy winner. Sissy's Log Cabin, the official jeweler of the Memphis Grizzlies and of the Memphis Tigers on Friday night. I, I went into the Sissy's Log Cabin Club there at FedEx Forum, and it was packed in that display. It is gorgeous right. to go in there. And, and Brian, you've seen it, and yeah. you, know, you know how how nicely it's done, official jeweler for the Grizzlies and the Tigers and FedEx Forum with the floor seat lounge unsurpassed value and they offer a selection of diamonds estates estate jewelry and fine gift and they're the sponsor of our look back every monday at the weekend in the sec new location where we'll be on friday for our remote at Lawwood at Poplar and perkins over nine thousand square foot and we're going to be there friday and we're going to be giving away two two tickets two seat two floor seats feet, feet on the wood for wednesday night january the 
second against Toronto, I think. The first Wednesday of the, maybe the third, the first Wednesday of the new year. It, they're in Laurelwood with expanded lines for Rolex, Cartier, Diamonds, and more. Mid-South's largest selection of one-of-a-kind jewelry, engagement rings, wedding bands, that special gift that, that says I love you at this time of year and coming up for Valentine's as well. Exceptional service, expansive selection, and an extraordinary shopping experience because life's too short for ordinary jewelry. Let's get to a break. When we come back, it'll be time for Big Number of the Day. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Big Daddy. Hello, Big Brand. It's a guy, he wants to be big, then he gets big, he doesn't want to be big anymore, then he gets small, but the suit's too big. Big Daddy. The Big Boy. You're a big guy. I think she's trying to pull a fast one on Big Daddy. The big number of the day. Well, Brett, I have a lot of big numbers today, a lot of big numbers. I got a lot of numbers. Oh, man, it was a good weekend for numbers. My first number that I will go to uh, comes from the Dallas Cowboys last night. My big number is 30. Johnny, I wish you would say our this. Cowboys. I oh, really I'm sorry. do. I'm sorry. That's, yeah, I, that's feel, I feel excluded Cowboys. when you don't. Our Cowboys, but I'm so sorry. That was not intentional. My first big number is 30. The Cowboys became the first team in NFL history, first team, Johnny, in NFL history, to score 30 or more points in each of their first seven home games in a season. That's right. Our Dallas Cowboys did that. Yeah, that's right. a great number. Thank right? you. Thank you, John. And when, I, when I think of Cowboys wearing uniform number 30, mm. I think of Dan Reeves. Oh, great one to think of. I mean, hey, good job, Brett. The old South Carolina one. quarterback. That's a good one. made him a running back. I mean, that's that's a good one, Brett. Uh, that's great. I love that. So, yeah, good, good start to the season for the Cowboys. Really so, yeah, solid number though, Brian. Thank you. I, I'm very happy for you, Thank man, you. with your number. Man. Thank you. You did a good do you, job. Do you want another number? <laughs> we I'm, do. I've got, a, I've I'm got another number. The, the crowd's clamoring for another. Yes. Thank you. My next number is 20. So 20. Uh, 10 less than my first big number. That's Tony Pollard. Yeah. It sure is, but this one is not. It is oh. in reference to a tiger. But it is not Tony Pollard. Today, David Jones was named the AAC Player of the Week. David Jones is the only player in Division I currently averaging at least 20 points per game, at least 6.5 rebounds per game, and at least 2 steals per game. Johnny, the last person to do that in a season was who? Uh, I don't know. Penny Hardaway? Former number one pick, Derek. Zion Williams. Are you serious, bro? I am bro? serious. That is uh, courtesy of Jason Munns, who we'll talk to on Friday. Hey, man. Brian, you on fire with these well, numbers you. today. Thank You're you. on fire thank with you. these numbers, bro. That's all I got. I hope I have a chance, Johnny. I do. I really I, do. I actually have another big number. I'll, I'll stop oh, oh, and, let, oh, and let Brett go. Hey, let Brett go hey, before hey. I get on my next big number. I just saw You I need to come number. off the top rope. Come on. Fine, Brett. I'll go with it. My next big number is 
40. So 40? we went from 30 down to 20. Now back up to 40, Johnny. What you got for me, Brian? Michigan State. Oh, those pesky Spartans. They're off to a 4-5 and five start to the season. It is tied for the worst start by a preseason AP top 5 team over the last 40 years per ESPN stats in info. The 2003-2004 Michigan State and 1986-87 um, uh, Louisville team both mm-hmm. started 4-5. and five. The last team with a worse Louisville record... Louisville was defending champs that year. Really? Wow. The last team with a worse record through nine games was Louisville in 1980-81 when they started 2 in seven, so a rough start to the season for old Tom Izzo. Right, Louisville, you're on fire. Louisville was defending champs in eighty eighty one as well. You're kidding! Wow, so Louisville mm-hmm. don't win another national championship, or you'll be terrible the next year. My big number of the day is number five. That's the okay. uniform number for LSU's Jaden Daniels. He's the third LSU player to win the Heisman Trophy, joining number nine Joe Burrow and number twenty. Billy Cannon, but more importantly, he is the fourth different number five to win the Heisman Trophy. Paul Horning wearing number five won it in 1956. Okay. Reggie Bush won it in 2005. And Jameis Winston wearing number five mm-hmm. won it in 2013. Oh, I like that. It's a good big number, Brett. I love it, Brett. I love it, Brett. I love it. Oh, wow. Three. I love it. Four. I love it. <laughs> hey, man. I never, hey, that's an amazing stat, man. Amazing. I love it. I'm sorry, bro. Five. Hey, he that? did that, man. He did There we go. Wow, he he did it. I'm sorry, man. The, he did that. Big number being five. How about that? Number five came through for me. That's right. It sure did. You needed it. I thought he was going to stop at four. But well, under the file of you can always learn something. Paul Horning w- wins it 1956, famous for a Notre Dame team that went 2-8, and eight, famous for mm-hmm. beating Johnny Majors at Tennessee one of four times. Tennessee's been the tough luck, real tough luck, mm-hmm. runner-up. Didn't know this until last week. Paul Horning played basketball as well at Notre Dame his first two years there. Wow. On the freshman team his freshman year, sure. and then on the varsity his sophomore year, and averaged six points before saying – I think I'm going wow. all football. Dual sport athlete. How about yeah. that? I like it. I like it. Old Paul. Somewhere that? last week I found the, the you know, Charlie Ward, the most famous Heisman Trophy winning basketball player. Right. Terry Baker at Oregon State won it in 62 and is also the only player to play in a Final Four in the same year that he won the Heisman Trophy. Won the Heisman Trophy fall of 62, spring of 63, the Beavs go to the Final Four. Wow. I like it. And Terry Baker, famous for the longest rush in auto in Liberty Bowl history, rushing 99 yards for a touchdown. Interesting. That'll All never right. be broken. No, no, no. That will uh, that will never be broken. Interesting. But no, that was uh, that was fun um, watching Jane Daniels win it, and uh, also Michael Penix. I saw a lot of people um, showing off his uh, his outfit for uh, it was great. The Heisman with all of his teammates and and coaches' names. Who's on. who's your favorite old guy there? Mm, mm, that's a good question. Billy seems rather sedate Saturday. They had to. Yeah. They had to. Goat him into a boomer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I love I love watching the whole setup for the Heisman Trophy where they have all the former um, Heisman Trophies uh, 
winners that they can get there there, and they all line them up in order of of when they of who's there. Yeah, Yeah. of who's there. There were some notable absences. It was the Mm fiftieth year of John Capaletti winning, but he 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 was not there. And I was surprised that Caleb Williams wasn't there. I'm 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 not I'm not criticizing. I was just surprised. That yeah. he was not. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I I wasn't shocked by it. Maybe a little surprised, but I want I want shocked. But hopefully, you know, maybe next year he'll be back. And, or, I guess they, not they, next year he'll be playing there. And they, they did honor uh, Johnny Lujak, who had passed mm-hmm. this year at ninety ninety eight, and it now makes the oldest living Heisman Trophy winner. And this really makes me feel old because oh, I mean he we everybody my age loved him. <laughs> Speaking of the Cowboys, Roger Staubach. Oh yeah, yeah, old Roger Staubach. No, but the uh, the Heisman Trophy. I mean, it's it's something I try every year to at least catch some of it. Maybe not the whole thing if I'm busy, like I was this past Saturday. But I try to catch a little bit of it and and try to try to try to get a little glimpse of all of. The I had to pull Heisman myself Trophy away from the in season tournament to watch some of the Heisman. Oh, Brad, man. Well, did you go back at least? Of course, I went oh, back for the well, champagne celebration. Hey, that's all that matters. As long as you saw the confetti fall and the the trophy raised, I mean, that's that's really all that matters. The, the street celebration in, yeah. in both in L.A. I like the split screen of showing oh, the party yeah, in absolutely. Vegas and in L.A. Uh, you know, Brad, I still haven't heard when we're getting the uh, the parade for uh, for the in season tournament. Got to be um, soon. It's got to be, but you know, I'm sure got to work things out and, and make sure that uh, that you know they can find a day that works. Where, for where do you think LeBron places the MVP trophy of the in season tournament in it in that vast array of his? Of all of his collectibles, all the mementos, gold medals, MVPs, NBA championships, where does he put it? Brett, how insulting. I mean, it's an in-season is it the top? MVP. He's you got a spotlight the, on it in his trophy room? the very front. I mean, forget the MVPs he's won. Forget the, the finals MVPs he's won. It's an in-season he, he, tournament MVP. He, he ought to get with Graceland and build Ooh. two scale Ooh. a replica jungle room oh. with, the, with the spotlight like on it. the in-season like trophy I, MVP. Brett, Brett, I love it. I mean, that's a, that's a great idea. I'm all for it. But let's go ahead. We need to get to a break. When we come back, we'll talk Tiger football with Jonah Dillon. <laughs> 